0: hello and welcome to a firewalled episode of hollywood chop shop we are your cinema brett Mosier and travis santana today we'll be reviewing part two of our introduction to sci-fi trilogy with 2017's life we'll jump into five-point inspection with in space no one can hear you think intelligent life ngt score breadcrumbs and infinite space infinite terror but before we do let's check in on the shop
1: Oh, thank God, man! I, I hear the sirens. Maybe they can contain the fire, and the shop won't be a total loss. Uh, you all right?
0: I breathed in a shit ton of that smoke, but I, I think I'm okay. Did, did did you see where the fire started?
1: No, I was uh, I was just eating my lunch, and I started smelling smoke.
0: <coughs> well. <clears throat> It, uh, it could have been a lot worse, and, and and I was able to grab the work laptop at least.
1: Son of a bitch, I left my pizza in there. I, I gotta go back in.
0: What, what, what the hell are you talking about? I, I literally see flames through the window.
1: I had two bites of the first slice. It's a pizza.
0: I'll buy you three more. It's
1: not just a pizza bread. It's a chicken and waffle pizza. It's the goddamn pizza of the month, and it's already the 29th.
0: The fire department is almost here, man. Just chill out. Maybe the pizza's just, it'll be a little more overcooked. Let go of my arm, Brent. I'm not leaving the pizza.
1: I'm coming. Hang on.
0: Please be advised, Hollywood Chop Shop does not condone running into burning buildings. Travis is displaying terrible judgment, just like the astronauts in life, which we'll review next. A group of international astronauts is responsible for overseeing the ISS while reviewing fresh samples from Mars. During their experiments, a primitive life form is discovered and foolishly reawakened. The crew's excitement is short-lived as the organism, lovingly named Calvin, begins to rapidly grow and adapt before escaping the lab that contains it. Now, fear takes center stage as the crew attempts to contain the specimen and ensure life on Earth isn't doomed by humanity's innate curiosity. Alright Travis. Before we get into our five-point inspection, I would love to know your quick diagnostic of 2017's life. Wait, did you say life? Life, yeah, oh, life. Okay. Okay. life. Not the board game, the movie starring Jake Gyllenhaal. You son of a bitch. You, <laughs> you,
1: you <laughs> may have just hurt my chop shop, you son of a bitch. You, you never cease to amaze me, Brett. Good job. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> I saw this movie not in theaters. I saw it when it was relatively new. Um, I remember really liking it. Um, obviously, but let's just go ahead and get out of the way. This is a complete ripoff of Alien, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, a, a, a terrible bastardization of what Alien was, yeah.
1: So it's interesting you say that because when I picked it for us to review, I didn't remember it being terrible. I remember being quite impressed with the character design of Calvin and how scary he was i i will here's my hot take for the podcast brett as far as actual fear i'll take calvin as being scarier than the xenomorph um
0: just be, interesting
1: I, I don't know if it's the technology the cgi but to me if i had to go up against either alien well the xenomorph from Alien or Calvin? I think I would choose the Alien. I, I like my chances better. The rest of the movie, oh boy, I uh, must have just selectively blocked all of that out. Uh, as far as you know, there being zero character, uh, there being a ton of exposition. But so it's it's a wildly uneven movie. But I have to compliment Calvin. Uh, what were your initial thoughts since this was the first time you've seen it?
0: Um. So I will say this. Um, I fucking hated it. I Ooh. I despise this movie. Um, and I won't say from the beginning. Like, it's not one of these movies where it Im- immediately started and I was like, oh, this movie's dog shit. I actually thought that the opening, like kind of single-shot-esque, like obviously I don't think that was a single shot done, but like when you're seeing the crew, like it's a little one of those things like Ryan Reynolds catching a satellite with a robot arm, it's like this sounds ridiculous and stupid, but the shot was kind of fun and, and I won't say gorgeous but it was very interesting the way like we navigated the space station and the different characters, I'm like I actually enjoyed that um I uh, one of the other things we'll get into with, with Breadcrumbs is I think that this film did better than I honestly think than most is actually like kind of setting stuff up and delivering it later. I think most of what it delivered was dog shit, <laughs> but I will say it did a better job than most movies I can think of. I av- actually like, Oh, if we're going to do something, there's something that happened earlier in, earlier in the movie that kind of set it up or gives you a little bit of justification. Even if that justification is again, a harebrained off the wall, just <laughs> fucking ridiculous. Um, but, uh, Overall, I I didn't mind the, the final form of Calvin. I thought it was interesting. I don't know if I would go so far as to say I would... I think Calvin and the Xenomorphs are probably pretty close. I think Calvin is smaller, and we'll even... Again, I... By the time this movie fucking ended, I was so fucking over it. Like, I'm sure we'll get into... I'll just ask now before I jump into... Are any of the five points about the ending of the movie, or do I just talk about that now?
1: Uh, none of my five points are about the ending, so we can get into it if Okay, you
0: want. So I'll just go ahead and get into it. In terms of breadcrumbs, like when I saw the ending of the movie, I was like, I bet you Travis loved this movie or like, I will say love, but like this movie because of the ending. I'm like, I, when it actually happened, I was so uh, underwhelmed by the, the twist ending. Cause I'm like, as soon as they got in the, the dueling escape pods and they pass each other, I'm like, they're going to do the thing where like, they don't show us which one's which. And then when it lands in the fucking wall, on earth, it's going to wind up being Jake Gyllenhaal and not the other chicken. Like, it doesn't make any goddamn sense why this fucking happens. I mean, to the point where like, I hate movies that break their own logic. Cause like, in that shot, they took the time to show you that the the autopilot has to show you a very specific angle to re-enter the orbit or the pod will burn up. But Jake Gyllenhaal manually flies the thing out and then somehow the monster or something brings it into the exact trajectory it needs for that pod not to burn up in the atmosphere. I'm like, there's so much just like I get distracted by just shitty logic in movies like this. Where I'm like, it would have been fun to just be a weird horror movie on a space station. But then like we bring in weird science, Shit that just doesn't make any sense. And that's we'll just jump into because that's what NGD NGT score. That's Neil deGrasse Tyson score. Like just the lack of actual fucking science in this movie, like mainly decompression when they're just evacuating air out of the space station drove me nuts.
1: I mean, if if logic inconsistencies bothered you and distracted you, Brett, you must have been distracted the whole movie <laughs> because let's yes.
0: just
1: let's just. Number one, the ending... Yes, you're, you, you read me for filth, Brett. I, I like this movie because of the the twist-downer ending, but watching it a second time, that is only... I saw it coming, but it's it's only achieved through sleight-of-hand editing trickery. So it's, it's not mm-hmm. even set up well, but let's just go to one of the many plans that this crew has. Jake Gyllenhaal's whole plan is... I mean, Brett, let's just say you had a a rabid um, pit bull that you needed to take to the vet. You wouldn't just let it ride in the car with you. I bet you probably would have trouble driving your car with a rabid dog inside. Jake Gyllenhaal's like, hey, this plan is fine as long as Calvin doesn't overpower me. And then like six seconds into the flight, Calvin overpowers. And I'm like, you didn't see this coming? You didn't think this was gonna happen?
0: My other thought is, like, you don't need very much oxygen to manually override the thing. Like, at what point does he not just pull his oxygen hose, because that's what fucking Calvin wants, and then let him suck off the the oxygen hose? Like, there's, there's so much about this movie that drove me nuts. Down to... Even Ryan Reynolds' character, when they first, the first fuck up in the whole thing where it's like, oh no, we can't let the scientist die. And I'm like, I get it. Again, this goes back to the breadcrumbs where he's like, oh, there's only one of you. There's at least four other people that can do the same job that I have. And I'm like, it doesn't matter because you've now put the entire space station in jeopardy. And you literally just watch the thing break a a fucking, what is it, paper thin starfish, just broke a man's hand, and then decided that it could actually use tools to break a rubber glove and escape. And you're just like, and I think they at that point they had also watched the thing um, liquefy the mouse. And I'm just like... Why the fuck would you open the door? I don't give a shit if he's your buddy or not. Like, no, I'm sorry, dog. Like, you're done. <laughs> like, we can say goodbye through the window. Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> you say it puts the, the space station at risk, but ultimately, Ryan Reynolds dooms humanity by opening that door, all to get the scientist with the legs of a 10 year old boy out of there. When also, you mentioned they broke his, Calvin broke the, the scientist's hand. Uh, Did you notice that his hand also defied gravity because it's it's supposed to be broken and it's limp dangling there. It wouldn't be limp. It's space. But that's about the most it's the the hundredth most inaccurate thing in this movie. Yeah,
0: I yeah. And even I'm thinking like this is supposed to be a science lab. All right. Again, this is gonna be one of those like people buckle in because this is just gonna be me bitching about every little thing I hated about this movie. Um, and hopefully it's entertaining to you. But like, it's a science lab, and I get it, it's on ISIS. But I'm like, there's no decontamination zone. It's not like you have to go into a chamber where like goes like the pssst, and then cleans you off, and then you go into this sterile environment to work on specimens from mars that we've never been able to get no but it's just a it's just a door it's just a really easy door to open i'm like there would be more to make sure this is a sterile environment if you're working with these like this you're trying to find life on mars like you would there would be more precautions and i also like why the fuck was the mouse there like aside from being able to liquefy i'm like what were they testing on the mouse like at first like i got confused because i thought that they like hugh i think his name's hugh i thought hugh had put the the single cell organism in the mouse to see how it responded to the mouse I'm like oh no the mouse is just in that room for no fucking reason like there's just we just needed a cool effect where we could show how powerful the monster is and even to that point Travis here's my other problem is it's one of these things where you watch a movie and you think you know where it's going and then it doesn't and then you're disappointed the whole time when the starfish enters Ryan Reynolds, I'm like, oh, fuck. This is going to be like the thing in space where like it's going to take over Ryan Reynolds. And then we're not going to know like which of the crew members are infected by it. And like by the end, like what's it going on? Nope. It just basically liquefies his inside and then pops out. I'm like, why didn't it just liquefy the entirety of him like it did the mouse and become even bigger? Like, why does it just decide to liquefy his organs? I'm like, the only time I felt real suspense in the movie it made me uncomfortable was when I was waiting for the thing to blow Ryan Reynolds apart into pieces. I just, I didn't think it was going to crawl out of his mouth. I thought it was going to basically like explode him from the inside out. And then I was like, Oh no, they, they didn't go. They just, he just kind of like liquefies from the inside a little bit. And then it crawls out.
1: So obviously you, you've, you've told me you did not like the movie, but, That was literally the only time that you felt any sort of of tension or, uh, I guess, genuine scares in the movie? That was the the one time?
0: Yeah, yeah, that was it. But I mean, I did feel legitimately uncomfortable. I thought of the performances, the only one that sticks out in my mind is Ryan Reynolds hunched over, being liquefied from the inside. I'm like, God, he looks like he's legitimately in pain realizing that the mistake, like, he's not going to make it. Like, he is being devoured from the inside out I'm like that was the only time I, and like just the terror in his face like I was like kudos to you Ron Reynolds because I just thought you were going to be a snarky asshole but I'm like that was probably the best performance in this entire movie was you being liquefied from the inside out
1: interesting I, for all this movie's flaws I did find Calvin to be a, a com, I don't know if compelling is the right word but like at one point at the end of the movie Rebecca Ferguson is like I fucking hate that thing like that's not a scientific mm-hmm. thought I just hate it i very much felt that in unison uh partially mm-hmm. because let's be honest calvin if you want to talk about if he were a video game villain he would be overpowered as fuck
0: oh yeah like and i guess maybe that's the thing is like it became a cartoon thing where like it's not you can't destroy it and i guess again that goes back to this being a, a ripoff of was it 1979 i think is when alien came out where like the alien could not be destroyed and it wasn't until it was sucked into the vacuum of space that it was actually like defeated but i'm like to me, the true villain of this entire movie was not Calvin. It was Hugh. And I agreed with Hugh when he was like, he's just trying to survive and he's not like he has to kill us. I'm like, you're right. He's just a, a wild beast trying to survive. I don't. And I guess, again, that's why it goes down to I didn't find Calvin as as the villain. He's, it was just a, like if you released a tiger into a, a village. The tiger's going to eat people. I'm not angry at the tiger. I'm not angry at Calvin. Well, <laughs> like, not only are you so,
1: releasing a tiger, but you're electrocute. You're torturing Calvin at the beginning of this movie. And you wonder, because yeah. I argue, I'm i not sure Calvin would have reacted that way had, mm-hmm. had they not electrocuted. Him. And I mean, you know, again, he kills you for electrocuting him. And then Ryan Reynolds is going after him with a flamethrower, which a flamethrower aboard a space station.
0: Come on. <laughs> again it's just another like we aliens did a flamethrower let's do the flamethrower it's like no
1: and (laughs) how does that they explicitly say that calvin is a carbon-based life form if you take a blowtorch to a carbon-based life form it's going to die they also established that calvin needs to breathe oxygen and yet he's outside the space station you know Again, God, it's just too many plot holes to name. But he he manages to disable the one communication system aboard the international space station. But again, he's in space for long stretches of time, seemingly unaffected.
0: Well, and not only that, he's a carbon based thing. But right after he drinks all of the coolant for food, Jake hall tells Cat, "Don't drink, don't drink the coolant. It's poisonous." I'm like. Only to humans. Only to humans. (laughs) Aliens can drink the coolant, though. That's fine. I mean, he literally just drank the... I don't understand why him biting the coolant line or drinking the coolant made her helmet flood, either. That made no sense to me. Or another, just one of those decisions where I'm like... I think that's, again, that's when the moment I hated the movie. If I'm completely... Like, Ryan Reynolds pissed me off, but I'm like, okay, we're gonna do the whole buddy thing... He's the compassionate one. He's you know, whatever. I don't whatever. <laughs> but when Kat, when Kat doesn't throw herself into space to save them, that's what I'm like, fuck this movie. Like that's her initial reaction as soon as the thing latched onto her would have been, guys, I'm sorry. I've gotta save you all. Ooh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump out into space. Like, at no point did you think you were gonna get back into the ship without that, with that thing getting off of you. Like and then it was then again, she's holding the door, so Jake Gyllenhaal can't open the door to let her back inside. And I'm like, just just push off. Just you have the energy. Push off the ship. You don't need to hold the door because it'll be gone. And it goes back to why the fuck's Calvin so smart? Again, oh he's an intelligent life form. I'm like He's so intelligent, he knows that when she's drifting off, he needs to jump back on the ship or he's going to be lost to space, but he's not smart enough to be able to fucking undo a cap that she screwed back on to get back in the ship. He's too stupid to unscrew the cap to get back in the coolant thing, but he knows that he can get back in through all the fucking thruster valves. Like... What? Also, he's bigger than he was. He keeps growing. Those tubes aren't that big. <laughs> like, there's just so much that keeps going. I'm like, I don't. This is literally like no one put any thought into this. It was like literally just wanna we want some monster movie in space, and that's as far as we're going with this.
1: So, God, I just have. I, I didn't think. I didn't realize how much I wanted to nitpick this movie to death. But <laughs> I, um, I was watching the movie and the scene. You said her name was Kat, the Russian commander.
0: Yeah, I had to look it up a couple times. Because I, I, I was like, I'm not going to be able to read this off the IMDb. So they called her cat, though, was her nickname.
1: Yeah, and her, her character trait was she's Russian, and that's the extent of her yeah. character. But I, I was kind of given the movie credit when she decides to turn the thing back counterclockwise so that she can't get back on the ship. And I'm like hey, her helmet's flooding. You could... I like that the movie is not being so overt as to say her motivation. It could be that she's disoriented. It could be that she's trying to save save the ship. And then right as I had that thought, literally, uh, Miranda North's character is like, David, she doesn't want to come back in. She's choosing to save us. And I'm like, how do you fucking know that? Like, are you in her brain? Like, I don't don't need that... Again, you just Mm -hmm. beat us over the head with everything in this movie. Uh... And then going back again to some of the stupid dialogue in this movie. After fucking Calvin is awake for five minutes and is smart enough to literally use a tool to cut open the rubber glove, she's like, How intelligent, how dangerous is this thing? I'm like, You've seen it liquefy a rat. You've seen it break a man's hand and use a tool. Why are you asking aloud how dangerous it is? It's pretty fucking dangerous, doctor.
0: <laughs> again. To go back to Kat, though. Cat the thing is latched onto her. She's like, I have to risk doing a space jump untethered so that I can get back in the ship even though I know it's on me. I'm like, you know it's on you. You what? What's the best case scenario of you getting to the door? You wait for it to get off of you? Like, I don't... I, can't, I, I, I guess the hope is that you out-breathe it or something like that? I don't know. Um, to go back even further, like, oh my god, there's just, there's so much there's so much that pissed me off about like, I never understood why you put a paraplegic in space. Like, I think the whole thing is funny. Like, oh, he doesn't need it. Like, because the justification, like, he doesn't need his legs in space. I'm like, there still has to be another scientist that's qualified that doesn't have atrophy already. Like, that has to be a problem that you're going to send somebody to space who can't use their fucking legs. Right. And, and clearly,
1: like, it's only there so that they can have Calvin latch onto it. So it literally only exists for that one scene.
0: Well, and it completely is irrelevant to me because Hugh knows he's latched on. It's not like one of those things where it's like I had no idea. Like, oh, it was a seat. Like, it was a, a a tick on me that I did. I'm like, you could tell he allowed it to happen because he couldn't let the thing die. And I'm like, and then even to that point, I'm like, at this point, you're you are choosing the alien over humanity. And I'm like, I never got that from your character. You're all about like science. And what about STEM? So I'm like, there would have, if there had been some dialogue about him being bullied and how terrible humanity is. And like, we're all beasts or monsters. Like, sure. Maybe at that point I could possibly believe why he would let the thing leech off of him. But like, I'm to believe this because Ryan Middle Ryan Reynolds makes a joke about him being the father to it, that like, oh, this has to be his paternal instinct to take care of it. I'm like, No, he's literally watched it kill his best friend and all the just destruction across the fucking ship. But you're 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 you've chosen to bring it into the one chamber with oxygen because you think what, it's going to remember you as a as a cool dude and not, like, what is, what's the end result of
1: this? Yeah, one of my least favorite tropes in sci-fi and specifically, like, alien movies where you have the one character that falls in love with the, the alien, if you're gonna do that, you better make it very clear, give me some actual motivation as to why he does that. In this movie, it's, it's again, it's just to advance the plot.
0: Yeah. I also, again... thanks to his Plot, for some reason, you know, the, what is the firewall chick, she's brought up to space. I don't know why they brought up good... I can imagine, like... Spaceships, you have to know the exact weight so that you have the right fuel. But they brought Goodnight Moon up for what fucking reason? I don't understand that, other than so that they can bring it up later. But even at that point, I'm like, so you brought up Goodnight Moon, you brought up other scientists, but no one thought that the space station needed fuel and that that needed to be brought up because the show didn't use nearly enough fuel for it the- to not have basically been on empty already. I'm like, when was the shipment going to be for fuel for the space station in case something went wrong? <laughs> and again, and she's like, why did you have so little?
1: The Goodnight moon. Again, that's, that's Jake Gyllenhaal's one, like, Hey, let's, let's give him some character development. His character development is, uh, you know, he thought he hated earth, but now he really loves earth and it's going to be demonstrated by him getting emotional reading this book at the end of the movie. <laughs> like literally everybody has one like show you mentioned show shows whole character is ah, i just had a baby <laughs> that, that's it mm-hmm. that's it uh you got the Russian and ryan reynolds is just hey i'm gonna play deadpool for 20 minutes and then i'm gonna die
0: and maybe in my rage i missed something but if i'm not mistaken when show goes and makes his run for this the ship that's supposed to knock the isis into deep space right and the unmanned craft or whatever it is he gets up there. He runs through the whole thing. And I'm pretty sure the chamber between the, sh- the, the new ship that's docked and where he needs to go, that's where they've trapped Calvin. And they're releasing the air out of that chamber to starve it of oxygen. Decompression, man. Like, he's not going to just open that door and all of a sudden, like, go through it. Like, they've decompressed that chamber. There's no, like, there would be so much. Like, I'm just thinking of Interstellar. <laughs> when dipshit Matt Damon opens it and like causes a massive explosion, I'm like, that's what would have happened there. But like, nope, we've just decided that, no, that's not going to be a thing because we need to cause this giant like suction thing where show is being dragged by Calvin, but Calvin decides to jump back into this. I'm like, it's just nothing, nothing in this movie makes any sense. None of the decisions, none of the ship, nothing makes sense at all.
1: I have a question. When, when show is in the the pod and Calvin is, is testing to see if he can get inside the pod. Again, going back to how smart Calvin is, does he, did I interpret this correctly? He sees the picture of shows family and then deduces, Hey, show is going to try to make a run for the escape pod because he has a family at home. And so Calvin just lets it go. Cause he knows ultimately show will do what he wants is that what happened? Is that what I take that to mean?
0: So what I took it to mean was that. It's smart ass Calvin here. Calvin knows that there's limited oxygen, so he cracks the case, knowing that the ca- that the pod will run out of oxygen and show will have to will have to leave. Okay, so I guess I... he's. Either one could be right. I don't know. All I know is that it hugs it cracks it and then decides that it's casually going to leave after doing so and and here's the
1: thing i would think it's ridiculous for him to for calvin to be smart enough to be like hey this dude's got a family he'll try to escape to go but by the end of the movie calvin knows how to fly a spaceship (laughs) jake gyllenhaal's trying to turn the fucking the joystick one way and calvin's like no 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 we no let me take the wheel let me take the wheel big guy so i'm like yeah what what can calvin not do
0: yeah, is there is there a deleted scene where we find out it's telepathic and it can not only like it can read and comprehend human minds? Because I'm like, as stupid as that would have been, at least it would have at least partially explained why Calvin knew what the fuck was going on.
1: Yeah, I, that's a good point. I mean, with it would it would it would serve to fill in at least a few logic gaps. And you're already making the thing ev- invincible. Why not give him telepathy on top of it?
0: But then all I could think of was like, okay. So Calvin gets to Earth, and the terror is, oh my God, they're gonna open it up. He's gonna get. It. I'm like, I really like it's adapted for zero gravity in space. I'm like, uh oh, gravity has to do something to it. I'm like, are we just gonna say that the like is the the premise that it's going to adapt immediately? I'm like, not only that, you would know have made it more terrifying is if we could reproduce, right? Because if not, it's just one monster that I guess is gonna consume until I d- I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. Like again. The terror of the monster is, it's not, to your point, it doesn't explain what the limits are. So I'm like, at this point, it's just a joke to me. It is like you've created a god monster that can't be defeated. So I'm like, what? there's no tension because I know it's going to win. Like, there's no, like, oh, my God, do they have a fighting chance?
1: Yeah, I thought, good point about the the reproduction element, because I thought what was going to happen is at a certain point, Calvin was going to split in two and...
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And like there would be just a little piece of him that made it back to Earth, and it's like, oh, what's going to happen now? But no, he's just by the time he lands on Earth, he is f- as big as the fucking escape pod itself, uh, and uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, that fucking capsule would be so fucking red hot that those fishermen yeah. would not be able to get near it. But like two seconds mm-hmm. after landing in their water, they're like, oh, let me open this bad boy up
0: again. Beyond red hot it would have exploded in the atmosphere because it didn't come in at the right trajectory and to your point I thought the same thing like at a certain point we're going to see that it reproduces that's that was my original thought they were going to do with the pods is that they were both going to get into one and we were going to realize that there were eggs or something like that and there was going to be one in both like oh this is where we realize like oh shit. Or, like, when she's watching Jake Gyllenhaal's character get into his pod, she's going to see another one coming, like, oh, it was able to multiply. I'm like, no, we just decided to do the old bait and switch in space. And it's like, as soon as one of them got hit, I'm like, I looked to Caitlin, who was watching with me. I'm like, get ready because Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be the one that hits Earth. Like, it's, that's, this is already what they're doing with this. So, I, unfortunately, I think we've hit. I mean, we'll go into more detail. I think we've hit most of these five points, just not labeling them because they've all kind of intertwined into how fucking stupid and shitty this is. And to your point, like, there's, there was no real character development. I mean, like I said, I, I try to talk about the breadcrumbs because, like, we, we they try and establish that Hugh and Rory have some kind of friendship or buddy like because they're shooting the shit and then Rory he just wants to see his dog so he's gotta be a compassionate person cause he's an animal guy and that's what causes him to want to go in there and save Hugh but I'm like at any at, I'm just astounded by how fucking stupid astronauts <laughs> apparently are like even even the like the firewall chick, her entire objective is she's supposed to be cold and calculated and it's just to keep the thing contained I'm like why wouldn't you tell people like the whole moment where like Jake Gyllenhaal and, and Kat, they're all in a room. And he's like, well, what's what's the third firewall? What did everybody agree to? And it's just like, oh, we're not going to actually tell you like we're going to keep that a secret. And then <coughs> excuse me, and even we're talking about a ripoff. I'm like, I think they're trying to make her to be like a strong, like female character. Like she's in charge and she knows how to make the tough decisions and all that. But then when it comes time for us to explain that, like, oh, what the third firewall is, is like, we have to make sure we tuck off. It's like, but don't worry, because it is a list as long as my arm of people who signed on to do this. I'm like, we don't need to know that if you were in charge and this was your call, we should just be like, she's in charge and she knows what she's doing. I don't need to know that 400 people agreed with you and justified your actions.
1: Well, it's funny. 400 people, you know, justified her actions, but yet. Are there 400 additional people who are just like, yeah, go ahead. You go ahead and electrocute the thing. Like it feels Mm -hmm. like that was just a unilateral decision made by Hugh. Like it feels like, especially on an international space station, because Ryan Reynolds even says it, like it's going to be quite the custody battle implying like, Hey, who's going to technically get credit for Calvin. Who's going to own Calvin if Mm -hmm. we take him back to earth. And yet nobody has to sign off on you being like, Hey, it's weird. It seems like it's hibernating. I'm going to electrocute it. Sound good. Yeah. Go for it. Like, there would be thousands of scientists on earth going over all of the possibilities that mm-hmm. you're not just going to instantly find out you've got life and then 30 minutes later electrocute it and just hope for the best.
0: I'm just thinking at the rate, the thing grew, it'd be like, stay the fuck out of the lab. Like we don't know what that is, but it is growing very, very quickly. <laughs> like at a certain point, it's going to take over the box that you have in there.
1: And again, I know it's one of those things where if the scientists were actual scientists, we just wouldn't have a movie. But number one, that box, why Why are there rubber gloves? You would probably think they would be metal so that a Mecha- slight Yeah, some tear, kind of mechanical glove. Yeah. Yeah. And then why is there not just an incinerator in the box? You have a fucking full-size flamethrower um that you would use in world war ii on board but you don't have a tiny incinerator inside the box like hey experiment's not going well we got plenty of soil let's kill this one
0: uh, well and even then when show suggests you just use the incinerator, i'm like oh man and so it's gonna be like some kind of box he opens up and he's gonna have to try and trick it to shove it in and then oh he pulls out like you know it's it's like a it's a fire flamethrower i'm like oh no there's there's actually a, fl- a flamethrower on board because that's you would definitely have that in an oxygen-enriched environment. Like you would, you would want a, a flamethrower for, you know, worst-case scenarios, as opposed to just you know, sucking all the air out of whatever was going on. And like, it's just again, there's so much. There's so much that just makes no no sense to me in this movie whatsoever.
1: Yeah, and, and like you said, we've covered most of the five points. But the in space, no one can hear you think. Instantly, I knew we were in trouble when this movie opens, and it's just uh, Rebecca Ferguson's character basically downloading the plot for us. Like, hey, this is why mm. we're here. The sample's just getting back. You know, here's who we're working with. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. We we if we have a voiceover in the first 30 seconds, it might be a red flag, and it sure was.
0: It's also one of the things I don't understand why we needed the tension of the like damaged space pod to start the like it. That didn't add anything to the movie. It's not like, oh, the space pod caused two samples to mix and that's what created this mom. Like, No, it was just really weird, unnecessary tension at the beginning of the movie that really didn't have any payoff whatsoever other than to show, I guess, that they're in space?
1: <laughs> like, yeah, and this, this movie was fairly short. I think it was like an hour 40. It makes mm-hmm. me wonder how much of this was edited down because a lot of it seems slapdash and like let's paste some some voiceover here to fill in some gaps so i i wonder if there was a lot of uh, changes made in editing this movie
0: i just wonder at 27 in 2017 like how did you attach jillen hall and reynolds to this movie that's what i that what really gets me because i'm just like wh- they had to have been bigger names at that point like 2017 i'm thinking had to be like, when did Deadpool come? Deadpool was in 2016. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I just would have thought. I realized he was probably filming this before Deadpool was released or about the same time. I'm like, I still would have thought that Ryan Reynolds would have had more going for him than to look at the script and be like, yeah, this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Or the same with Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, I can't believe Jake Gyllenhaal looked at it and said, like, this looks like a movie I want to be a part of.
1: Well, it's it's funny you say that because uh, Reynolds originally signed on to be the Jake Gyllenhaal character, but he had a scheduling conflict with, I believe, the hitman's bodyguard. Uh, so he had to take the smaller role. And then that's when Jake Gyllenhaal got involved.
0: And when you say smaller role, I mean, it's one of those like. When he died, I'm like, that's when I was in a metagaming type thing. I'm like, that's when I was like, oh, it's going to be a reanimation thing where it takes over Ryan Reynolds' body. Because I'm like, he dies, what, maybe 20 minutes into the movie? I'm like, oh, no, they just they kill off a a a named, like, his name's on the poster. They kill him off that. I'm like, I, it's one thing in Blade Runner 2049 when, like, you don't bring Harrison Ford into the last, what is it, 40 minutes of the three-hour movie? But, like, it's another thing when you kill off a character immediately, like, it would have been like if you saw the other guys and it was billed as a Samuel L. Jackson doing the Rock Johnson movie. Like, and they die in like the first five minutes. And like, what are you, what the fuck is this? Now, did you did you at least appreciate that? Because I will say it, it caught
1: me off guard. I was not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it did a good job of it, it gave me that feeling of, well, if they're can if they're gonna kill Ryan Reynolds, you know, everybody's fair game. And I guess at the end of the day, everybody dies, including the population of Earth.
0: Yeah. Because uh, I mean, talk, looking at Jake Gyllenhaal, 2014, he did Nightcrawler, 2015, Accidental Law, 2015, he did Southpaw. So, I, I mean, that was, I'm sure, Oscar bait he was going for. 2015, he did Everest. I mean, he did, he had done a ton of stuff. Nocturnal Animals, he did in 2016. And then in 2017, he does Life. And I'm just like, this feels. And this doesn't even feel like one of those movies like, oh, like the Hitman's bodyguard. Like, it was just a fun movie to do. Like, yeah, I know this is going to be bad, but like, or, you know, not not Oscar worthy or anything like that. But like, you know, at the end of the day, like I, this is going to be a movie that I enjoy making. Like, this just feels like I have no idea why some of these people are in this movie. Yeah,
1: I think. It, it deceives you into thinking that it's going to be a much more prestigious, intelligent film because of the star power. Because I, I don't think Rebecca Ferguson is, is on the level star-wise, but she had already been in the Mission Impossible movie, I believe, by by this time. So, again, three great actors mm-hmm. in basically a shitty B-movie. is It's kind of weird.
0: Yeah. And it's weird watching because, I mean, we... <laughs> reviewed dune with her in it i'm like it was one of those things where i'm like good lord like this movie actually had talent in it it was just completely wasted on i mean all i can say is a sci-fi channel original level like script like if you told me this is one of those like piranha 4d or sharknado i'm like yeah this is the caliber this movie is at for me and that's the problem is like it's not so bad it's enjoyable it's just bad
1: yeah and and I will say the one compliment outside of Calvin that I want to give this movie is I thought it was well shot I I thought it was mostly pretty Mm -hmm. to look at and the shot to be the shot of the movie the creepiest scene is when Calvin first tries to escape from the box by just kind of floating into the glove and you can kind of Mm -hmm. see the glove expanding and it appears that a hand is in it that was quite unsettling Um, so yeah that's another thing. Mega star power in this movie. Beautifully shot with a, a dime store level script.
0: Yeah, I just it is so weird. So weird to me how this movie got made in in its current state. Um, <laughs> If you're done with five points, I'm done with five points. I mean, I don't I'm sure I could find more things to gripe and bitch about. Um, but at the end of the day i I think i've pretty much summed up where where i was at with it
1: yeah i mean i i think we could we could probably do a three-hour podcast just nitpicking how stupid this movie is but yeah i I think we hit our main points
0: well and it's and there's weird shots where i thought it was trying to be artsy because like at the beginning show i think it show is going through and it's got like the cord hanging off of him, the the tether. And I'm like, okay, I was on one thing. I'm like, it's either a horror movie and they're setting up that he's going to be killed by a tether or this is a life thing and like that's an umbilical cord. And then later in the movie, when he's looking at the iPad with his baby, he's in the fetal position floating in the middle of a room like a womb, like a like a, an infant, you know. And I'm like, oh, they're going to do a lot more about like life and birth and stuff like this. And no, no, it's just like, It was some of those like, hey, I've got a cool idea for a scene. It's going to be, like you said, well shot, but it's not going to add anything to the movie. It's just we have an opportunity in a green screen.
1: And as we were talking through it, I think I just realized we were wondering how this got such high level talent. How. When did Gravity come out? Because Gravity won the Oscar, didn't it? So I wonder if this was something like, hey, Gravity made a ton of money and, uh, you know, won a lot of awards. You know, space is now the cool thing. Let's get another space movie made with A-list talent. That's, that... Gravity
0: was 2013.
1: Okay, so several years before, but yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, that doesn't quite line up.
0: Because Interstellar was that... I mean you're right it was during interstellar was 2014 so that was the next year when do you think the martian was you want to say the martian was 2015
1: uh that sounds right and also i bet that's what they wanted to name this movie but couldn't
0: <laughs> the martian was 2015 so you had 2013 2014 2015 all had outstanding stellar space movies and then this is the year they decided they probably greenlit life everyone's like yeah i'll sign on like look at all the these space movies that have come out and then <laughs> This shit turn came out and probably ruined the genre for a while because everyone's like, we're not making any more space movies for a little bit.
1: Yeah, I feel like, you know, what they didn't tell Gyllenhaal and and Reynolds is like, yeah, this we're going to make another space movie. But like this was the last script left in the drawer. Like we've only we've only got one unused (laughs) space script and here it is. What do you think?
0: I just, there had to be a 20 a big 2016 space movie. Now I want to know what it is. Like now that we have 13, 14, 15 and we know 17 as far as I'm concerned, like probably killed him. Like I'm just wondering what big space movie came out in 2016. Uh
1: let's see.
0: Uh Passengers. Passengers was in 2016. God,
1: yeah. I you know what? I will say though, I liked <laughs> this movie better than Passengers.
0: I haven't seen passengers, but yep, that would have been. Yep. Oh, Arrival was also 2016. Oh, Arrival was fucking dynamite, yes. too. So, yeah, life was. Life basically came in, saw all of these fantastic space epics that were coming out at this time, or like movies, not even epics, because I mean, Gravity was, it was just set in, like, again, the space station type thing. I'm like,. <laughs> And then came in and basically ruined it for everybody.
1: Yeah, Arrival was the 31st highest grossing movie of that year. So uh, very much a success.
0: Yeah, Oblivion. Oblivion came out in 2013, so that was another kind of spacey sci-fi. God, I didn't realize that there was like a solid five years of fantastic, good space sci-fi movies that came out. And then there's life. (laughs) Oh. What was it? What was the something Estrada? What was the bad one with Ad Brad Astra? Pitt? Ed Astra, man, that one was also. But I think that was that was what twenty eighteen maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, it's just disappointing because it was one of those like you could tell, yeah, looking at the timeline that what they what they were trying to. I honestly just leech off of, you know. I I wonder if the pitch meeting would have been like, we want to do basically an aliens ripoff right now while space is hot, you know.
1: Yeah, we basically want to make Alien and merge it with Gravity, like give you like a mm. like a hard sci-fi, which is which is amazing because again, the the sci and sci-fi is science, and the science is just bastardized in this
0: movie. <laughs> Uh well this is Phi Psi, you know? <laughs> fiction science. Oh boy. Uh but yeah, so <laughs> enough of five points. Like I said, oh jeez, just this fucking movie. Um let's go ahead and get into some blue book. Alright. Um Man, like I said, I just can't believe everything else that came out around this like within the, this five-year span just the fantastic movies that came out and then to know that this was this was there towards the tail end um blue book so sticker value for this here flick travis it's 58 million dollars that's what it estimated cost what do you think u.s it brought in box office
1: um i'll say 67
0: You're about, you're half off. 30 million.
1: That's all it, woo,
0: woo. Gross U.S. and Canada was 30 million. Do you want to take a stab at gross worldwide?
1: Well, you know, they put show in the movie. They put a Russian lady in the movie. I have to assume that paid some dividends. Uh, So I'll say the total gross when you count international,
0: 70? Seventies, what it made were or internationally, which brought it up to a, a million.
1: A hundred. Million? Sorry, a hundred million, <laughs>
0: hundred million. Yeah, yeah, one million. They actually took money away. Um, they charged the U.S. for making this piece of shit. Um, yeah, no, a hundred million is is what it brought in worldwide.
1: Yeah, I, maybe this movie's better with with subtitles. I don't know.
0: I, I mean, that's one things like, I've always heard. Uh, I had some friends that have, like, you know, uh, Russian friends and all that. Apparently, like, the uh, Star Wars Attack of the Clones, like, everyone just clowns on how shitty that movie is over here. But apparently, like, it's pretty well-received in foreign audiences and, like, in Russia. And, like, somebody's like, well, how – like, the dialogue is so – like, how can you do it? Like, apparently when they redubbed it, they cleaned up a lot of the just terrible, like, soap opera dialogue and actually makes it a much better film because – it is not nearly as melodramatic and shitty.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I wonder what they did to the uh, the dialogue about how he hates sand. I wonder how they cleaned that up.
0: It's so coarse. It's still everywhere. <laughs> it's still everywhere. <laughs> Gets everywhere, man. Um, <laughs> Alrighty, are you ready to do some tag and title? Absolutely. Already, Travis, this is a fun one. Uh, So we'll start with title. This one actually did have some uh, modified titles. So I want to go ahead and give those out first. So the three, nothing crazy like some of the stuff we've had in the past, but um, just thought it, it was worth bringing up. So in Italy, this movie was called Life, Don't Cross the Line. In Mexico, it was called Life, Smart Life or Intelligent Life. And in France, it was life origin unknown, which I think is weird because they were pretty specific where it came from. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know when they decided to translate that, they left out the whole Mars part. But yeah, I was like, nah, it's pretty known where it came from, (laughs) unless we're saying that it was foreign to Mars and wiped out Mars and it's just, you know, some kind of weird. Again, why did it ever reproduce? They would have made it way more terrifying um, if it could split. But now it brings us to the the beautiful part here, Ta- the taglines. So, Travis, I'm going to give you three taglines. One tagline is an official tagline for this movie. One is a tagline for a movie I found adjacent. And one is a tagline I created myself. What I need you to do is tell me the official tagline for this movie. And don't worry. As much as I wanted to put it in in space, no one can hear you scream. I thought that was a little too easy. So... Uh, Probably one of the best taglines ever created, or at least most iconic, and that is, for anybody who doesn't know, is 1979's Alien was in space, no one can hear you scream. So, here we go. Are you ready for your three taglines? I'm ready. All right. A threat so alien, it can't be conceived. We were better off alone, and the future unleashed everything.
1: Wait, what was the last one?
0: The future unleashed everything. Hmm.
1: Uh, I have to admit, I already knew the tagline. We were better off alone. Is the tagline for life or a tagline? Mm. For I life. thought about
0: using one of the alternate ones, but I didn't.
1: Um. Yeah, you've really thrown me with the other two. The, I have no idea on the the future one. I I could not even hazard a guess. I'll it sounds too specific for you to have made it up. So I'm, I'm going to say that's the tagline from something adjacent. Uh, and the first one is what you made up.
0: Okay. Yep. Correct. So a threat. So alien, it can't be conceived was mine. Um, I thought I would play off of the fact that the alien did not reproduce in this movie, much like it did in alien or aliens. So it never conceives anything. Uh, The future unleashed everything was the Cloverfield Paradox, Ah. which came out a year after this, which is the movie I always confuse this with. I had never seen either of them. Um, And two of the alternate official taglines for this movie. So, yes, the the main one was we were better off alone, but two additional taglines were be careful what you search for and fear life, not death. So. Actually had some decent taglines for a terrible movie. Yeah. I, I, was, I was, I think that was the part that disappointed me the most was that uh, it actually had good taglines. But I think that brings us to our chop shops. Uh, do you are, did you, you ready to do some choppy chop? Let's do it. Alright, so normally this is the part of the show where we would jump into our Chop Shops. Um, but after the recording, Travis so graciously informed me that I had forgotten to bring up one of our segments, uh, Time Capsule. Which, uh, he had done a little bit of research for, so I felt bad. I said we could re-record it. He's like, nah, don't worry about it. But I decided I would put it in post. But ultimately, uh, I didn't know this, but interesting thing with this film was apparently it had used a clip from one of the Spider-Man movies in every in the, the, the marketing, the trailer, and there were tons of rumors going around that this movie was actually going to wind up being kind of a backdoor prequel to the announced Venom movie uh, from the Spider-Man universe, Marvel Comics. Uh, if you've seen the movie it did not pan out that way um this was a standalone movie that had absolutely nothing to do with marvel but nonetheless i thought it was an interesting factoid and thought that uh since travis you know had it we we, it belonged in the show so that's uh that was your your time capsule for this week but uh now we'll go ahead and jump right into chop shop travis i'm going to go first this week because i have less than a skeleton uh because i was so disgusted by this movie i couldn't even bring myself to put put together an actual chop shop for it so i had miniseries this this week um and essentially i I think you mean you had uh i had miniseries miniseries um so at a very high level uh, I I kind of took some inspiration from what from a Lost, one of a series that we loved, and basically what I was going to do is each episode we would have a flashback to our characters to give them a little bit more, uh, make them a little bit more fleshed out, and interesting, so that when they ultimately die, we might feel something for them. Um, so, I had kind of the general order I was going with with this. The first one would be Rory. And I figure we would show him growing up on a farm and giving birth to a lot of animals. And this kind of sets the precedence of like giving life, seeing life, you know, again. Uh, our next episode would focus on Cat, and maybe hers would be more about growing up, maybe a former lover she reminisces about maybe in her mid twenties or something like that. you know, this is her living her life. Uh, our next episode would be about David being a soldier on the battlefield and just constantly seeing death, right? So they they have our you know basic birth life death cycle of of humanity of of organisms, right? And then after that we would break into the next three characters and you would have show and show we would find out that they had to use in vitro and they basically had to engineer life, right? They you know him and his wife couldn't naturally get pregnant. So kind of showing how he how humanity is kind of started to alter life and change it. Um, you know, for, for the better, Hugh would be our next episode and he would be we would see more maybe about him being bullied or something like that. Uh, but ultimately, he would be more about the stem cells and it'd be more about altering life. All right. So this is where, again, humanity is starting to get more involved. And now they're actually manipulating what life is. And then Miranda North was our firewall specialist would ultimately end the series and hers would be i don't know if she would be some kind of scientist or maybe she was on some kind of uh government board about like basically children like stipends to you to have children kind of like what happened in china and like the 90s and stuff like that but ultimately hers would be about just blatantly preventing life from happening altogether Um, and that's how we would end the whole series. But like I said, very skeleton. I did not put a ton of thought into that because like I said, I was just, I could not get over how much I was unhappy about watching this movie. (laughs) I
1: I do like the the premise of like exploring all the, the, the ways humans kind of interact with life. So I I thought that was a good touch, even if you did kind of just go high level. Um, Mm -hmm. It's funny. Be- and then
0: ultimately, of, of course, be murdered by the alien in their episode. So, <laughs> um, yeah,
1: I, too, this movie just didn't give you a lot to go off of. Um, so mine's a little more detailed, but it's a uh, well, it'll be very evident at what I did once I get into it. So uh, I got uh, I believe I got comedy. I
0: think it was Comedy, yeah, yeah, comedy. Okay, let me just look at my notes here. Real... Yeah, and it looks like it was comedy. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so um,
1: <clears throat> I, I, I also like that you fleshed out the human characters because I'm going to flesh out Calvin a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Calvin Calamari is a. Lazy, recent high school graduate on his home planet. Uh, We're not going to have his home planet be Mars, uh, so we're going to go more with the origin unknown. So it's just an unnamed planet. Um, It's summer, and Calvin has no plans of attending college. He earns money making working as a dishwasher at Ponderosa, where his friend Brad is manager. Every night after close, Calvin, Brad, and several other co-workers wreak havoc on the restaurant, regularly stealing shopping carts from another store in the strip mall area and pulling them alongside cars and crashing them into curbs. Uh, The group also breaks into a movie theater in the strip mall, stealing posters and standees. Uh, One night after work, the group get high on air dusters and take the uneaten biscuits from the buffet and soak them in dishwater, load them into a bucket. They go to the roof of the Ponderosa and chuck the biscuits at semis driving on a nearby interstate. One of the biscuits hits the windshield of a semi, causing an accident where thankfully no one is seriously injured. The group is fired and uh, arrested, but later released Calvin's parents are disgusted by the direction his life has taken and tell him he must attend college. They pull some strings and get him enrolled in Coolidge university in the fall.
0: I am picturing Calvin from the movie too, like with the tentacles (laughs) and like him and like, it's not Calvin hasn't become a human in your movie. It's still the Calvin from life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, At the university, Calvin befriends Vance, a popular senior at the school. Vance takes Calvin under his wing, and Calvin's newfound popularity uh, angers Rory Adams, captain of the water polo team and member of (laughs) Lambada Omega Omega. Rory arranges to sabotage Vance's latest party by smuggling underage children and getting them drunk and then calling campus police uh, to the scene. As a result, Calvin and Vance are both expelled from the university. Does any of that sound familiar?
0: Hmm, Not at all, Travis. No, this sounds incredibly original. Yeah, no, keep going.
1: Uh, So Vance uses a family connection to get both he and Calvin a job at a software company. Uh, Both men are quickly burned out by the dull office environment and terrible leadership. Tired of being mistreated, Calvin, Vance, and another co-worker named Sho decide to take revenge by infecting the company's accounting system with a computer virus designed by Sho to divert huge numbers of fractions of pennies into a bank account. Such transactions are small enough to avoid detection but result in the accrual of a substantial amount of money over time.
0: Hmm. Another very original plot point. <laughs> yeah.
1: On Monday, right, you're not going to believe this. Calvin discovers a bug in Sho's code has caused the virus to steal over $300,000 over the weekend, which is very conspicuous and guarantees they will be caught. Show, feeling bad for the mistake, makes a written confession and leaves it on his boss's desk. And uh, But when Calvin finds out about Sho's confession, he burns the office to the ground in order to protect his friend. As a result of his arson, Calvin is sent to a mental institution. The head physician of the institution is Dr. Miranda North. She immediately sees Calvin's lively, rebellious presence as a threat to her authority, which she responds by confiscating and rationing the the patient's snacks and suspending their card playing privileges. Calvin finds himself in a battle of wills against Miranda. He steals a school bus, escaping with several patients to go fishing on the Pacific Ocean coast and encouraging his patient his fellow patients to discover their own abilities and find self-confidence fellow patient you dairy once a mild meek uh patient is inspired by calvin and leads a nighttime escape attempt only to be caught by night security An enraged miranda drives to the hospital and quarantines you as punishment a week goes by and you is nowhere to be found leading to rumors that he escaped or has been transferred Later that night, Calvin sees you being returned to his bed and he greets him, elated that you kept his promise not to escape without him, but notices you is unresponsive and physically limp and discovers lobotomy scars on his forehead. Calvin tearfully hugs you and says, you're coming with me before smothering him to death with a pillow, thus euthanizing his close friend. Calvin then throws a table through a window and escapes alone while all the remaining inmates have been woken up and cheer him on. Calvin is later arrested, and the local government is fed up with his behavior and his rebellious nature, and evokes its most serious punishment—banishment to a Mars prison. As credits roll,
0: <laughs> well, you have to—you forget they have—he has to be devolved. Devolved and banished to Mars because he has to—he can only be a single-cell organism by the end of it, right?
1: Well, I'm thinking he gets to Mars, and because of the the nature of mars that causes him to slowly devolve until that into that got single it. cell organism that we discover in life
0: got it um dark comedy especially there at the end with the lobotomy so yeah i you know also where's calvin's brain i mean the whole thing remember it's all body all muscle all brain oh, no, like, no no calvin did, had a lobotomy he
1: didn't get the lobotomy you hmm? got the lobotomy
0: Oh, so Hugh is not a Calvin alien. I thought it was an, a planet of Calvins.
1: Yeah, I didn't give it that much thought.
0: I mean, it could be. I mean, it's a very lengthy procedure. It would explain why he was gone for so long if they had to lobotomize every single one of his cells because they fair. all have a brain in that them. That
1: is fair. <laughs> also, I, the only reason I, I I threw Van Wilder in there, do you recall the, the, the fake school in Van Wilder was named after Calvin Coolidge?
0: Mm, I did not make that connection. I
1: I wondered if there was some significance to picking Calvin Coolidge. I could not find any. I I think they just picked the name.
0: Probably. So. Oh, boy. It's. Well, sir, it gave me a laugh. It was definitely a comedy for me. I appreciate the. The uh, the hodgepodge of of better movies. Yeah, yeah. So do you know what van wilder is based off of whose stories no burt kreishner who's that he's a stand-up comedian no you should definitely look into him he's known for his bit about i am the machine where he winds up on a a a train in russia with russian mob drinking rush or vodka with them it's he's he's very funny but uh yeah, no, he was a huge partier in Tallahassee and basically it's been it's been confirmed that most of that movie is ba- based off of stories from him partying in Tallahassee.
1: Interesting. I did not know FSU.
0: that. At FSU. Yep.
1: So Yeah, that school in, in Van Wilder feels very Florida State-esque.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So All right, sir. A shitty movie. Well, yeah, I was gonna say we can wrap up here. Everybody knows my opinion. I've made it very clear. I don't think this movie is worth watching. I don't think any of the performances are really stand out. Uh, Calvin, you could look up what he looks like as an alien. Like some of his movements are cool. I did think it was weird when they started doing the first person view of Calvin because oh, it God. was just like I was like, why did we add like like? It's just it made no sense to me why you needed to see his perspective looking for things right like it didn't add anything to the movie it didn't add like give you an understanding of who he was or anything like that and, like the one time they do it, and he's like he's eating basically the Reese's Pieces of blood trail to get to Hugh's body and then he gets to Hugh's body and I'm like I didn't understand either like unless it was just supposed to make you uncomfortable like he climbs on Hugh's back and then puts his tentacle down his throat and then like I'm like is, does he eat off of the ends of his tentacles or is this just supposed to be a weird thing where like he's going to mouthfuck fuck him while he's eating his brain or something like that? It was, again, so some of it was so weird. The movie was so weird.
1: Yeah, obviously I didn't really like the movie either. Uh, if you're really just dying to watch a space movie where an alien gets loose on the ship, I think you know which movie you need to watch. Uh, yeah. The only thing I'll disagree with you on is... Well, first of all, I agree. Calvin is by far the best part of the movie. He's a genuinely scary creature and a pretty original creature. Uh, And the movie's well Mm -hmm. shot. So those are my two compliments. The thing I'll disagree with you on is I think this movie, it borders on being so bad, it's at least fun to tear apart. Um, So, yeah, if you want to get with a group of people and and you're all sci-fi fans and you just want to rip something apart, I would say you might enjoy watching this, but that would be the only circumstance.
0: And yeah, maybe that's the situation is sitting on like the couch, not being able to just like yell at the screen with other people. Like, what the fuck are they doing right now? Probably would make this more entertaining, but definitely not a movie you want to sit down and, and try and legitimately enjoy.
1: Yeah, maybe if you want to uh, build a Neil deGrasse Tyson drinking game, you know, take a drink every time something scientifically inaccurate occurs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, maybe you could have fun with that. But yeah, again, that's about it.
0: You definitely wouldn't get to the end of the movie, so <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Alrighty. Well, I think that concludes part two of our introduction to sci-fi trilogy. And when we say introduction to sci-fi, we don't mean these are good movies to introduce you to sci-fi. This is we're using this as an opportunity to introduce the sci-fi category into potential chop shops of the future. I realize afterward maybe was not the best naming of this because Lord knows I don't want people thinking that this is this is an entry into the, the genre of sci-fi. Um, but next week, we'll wrap up the trilogy with, I think is was 2000, 2001, 2002, somewhere around there, uh, Equilibrium, starring Christian Bale. And I think Sean Bean is in that movie as well.
1: Yeah, Tay Diggs.
0: Yep, Tay Diggs, so... Yep. Hopefully, we'll see you back next week where we review that Matrix ripoff. Um,
1: so. After we just got done reviewing that Alien ripoff.
0: Mm hmm. When did we start this trilogy? At least Brazil was original.
1: Yeah. So. I didn't enjoy it, but it was original.
0: Mm hmm. So, all right. Well, thanks again for joining us, and hopefully, we'll see you next week. Bye.
1: Insert quippy Ryan Reynolds line here.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to do something about air. (laughs) Bye. Good night, moon. (laughs) Good night, Cow jumping over the moon. Good night. Nobody. The first firewall was the box. (laughs) (laughs) The second
1: firewall, not really a firewall because uh, it shares ventilation with the rest of the ship, but whatever. (laughs) <laughs> There's not any more plot holes in this I movie. I cannot.
0: I cannot wait to get into this movie. I cannot. I cannot wait, Travis.